What did the daddy tomato say to the baby ca- tomato? Catch up. No. <laughs> what is the baby old enough to walk, but not old enough to run? Yikes. Why is he so far behind? Why is what? the dad leaving the baby behind? You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your host, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The John Chi Show. I am one of your hosts, or I'm, I'm just a host of the show, Patrick Armstrong, and I'm here with my fellow co-hosts, KJ Rilke and Nathan Nowak. What's He's up, fellas? He's just a bro trying just, to be a bro. He's I'm just okay. a bro He's out just a guy hard. with a mic. <laughs> I'm just a guy with a mic and a light and another light. He's a man standing in front of a microphone. <laughs> talking to other mans. <laughs> talking to other mans. <laughs> talking to other mans. That is absolutely true. We are I'm three good. mans talking to each other. Nathan, what is the John Chi Show? The John Chi Show. Yes, we are a podcast. Thank you for joining us. And we are three <laughs> Korean adoptees um, spread across the country, as the intro already said that. Um, John Chi means feast, and we are feasting and celebrating um, on our Korean adoption heritage. And at the end of the episode, we usually have a food or drink that we've never had before. And uh, that is uh, that is us in a nutshell. It's pretty <laughs> succinct. We talk yeah. about that experience of being Korean adoptees. Yes. And sometimes we have guests. Did you say that? No, Sometimes we have guests, yeah, yeah. Sometimes and we, we interview guests, them. Sometimes we solo. Uh, just like we did last week with, wait, did we do that last week? Yeah, was Eric, that two weeks yes. ago? Last week with Eric Kemp, who Nathan just got to see recently in person. <laughs> yeah, we. I, I thought about having us do like a live reveal or something on Wednesday and have him listen to the episode while I record him or something. But <laughs> you just, were gonna hey, sit down and like let's an both re-listen to a thing that we both I already know. experienced. <laughs> we're gonna film you listening <laughs> to the reaction. thing that we did last yeah. week. Doesn't that work? <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, content for the show. Everything is content. I just had a conversation about that. <laughs> but not everything is A plus content. Not everything is, yeah, releasable content. That's a, but it well, all that's is. a direct-to-DVD $1 <laughs> like bargain from like Walmart in like the, the early aughts. It's like, yeah, one of the hidden things on the it's dvd lion king 2 yeah <laughs> easter egg yeah, is that what you're calling it yeah, that's yeah. There you go. a hidden feature on lion king 2 that's part a- of the commentary <laughs> um that is what that would be this is the show for people who aren't who have never been here joining us for the first time i'm so sorry uh it's totally fine though we have a great i don't i don't even know i've done two recordings already today as of the day of this recording so i'm coming in hot but also Dang. coming in empty in my brain <laughs> So back me up, fellas. What do we do here on the show? What do we, what have we already talked about all this? I forget where I am right now. All right. Goodness. Uh, This is so much editing. Okay. Um, (laughs) What's in that glass? Yeah. It's water. Nathan just went on vacation. Uh, Patrick, I don't even know what Patrick's been doing in his life. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Wait, isn't there a thing that you No. Okay. I don't know. I'm not doing anything until next month. Mm. I thought that you I mean, I've been doing, I do my other show. That's what I've been doing yeah, in lieu yeah, of this. Yeah. All right. Or in uh, addition to. What's up with me? I, uh, <laughs> honestly, nothing. I launched a website, sort of, and my brain hurts from code. So uh, I'm coming up empty f- for not having done two <laughs> podcasts today. Uh, but Nathan, yeah, it was you, you went uh, and did a, 
what do you what did you call it like a reclaimed spring break a uh, redo spring break redo a redo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, over in southern california Re- right southern california yeah so yeah so. started in san diego went up to la and then back to san diego nice and, and then you won uh, a tennis tournament and then i came back and then the next day i got up at 6 a.m and played tennis oh my gosh the tournament. at yeah. 6 a.m i know that makes it so much worse like it, tennis it, already it, sounds bad no to what me, made it like worse is that knees, i showed but... up at uh, at the time i was supposed to show up and then it was delayed by uh, another hour and a half because of rain Ooh, that does and because they had didn't enough uh, didn't have enough courts so i didn't actually get to play until about 10 so oh yeah that yeah. super sucks you're all warmed but, up and then you're all cooled off and then yeah. you had to warm up again uh, but yeah, you're going to like uh, what what what's it called? Sectionals? Regionals? Yeah, so we won our districts, uh, so state districts, and now off to uh, yeah, off to sectionals in uh, Idaho. So yeah, good Idaho. job, team. Go long Interesting. Market. Yeah, shout out to to your team. Uh, I just kept seeing it on Instagram, being like, "Is this real? Do I even know my co-host? <laughs> we've literally never talked about it." I think we just get so. No, we don't talk about tennis your... much. I know we always talk about table tennis and yeah. And I knew that you golf. were playing in something yeah. tennis wise. I thought, but I didn't yeah. know you were taking it that serious. I like it. Yeah, no, yeah. it's actually so. the first. This is the first league I've been on in seventeen years. So, um, and coming out of retirement, I know. Yeah, I, I guess so. Taking home that trophy, golden racket. That's what it's called in tennis, right? <laughs> golden racket. I don't right? Know. Yeah, it's I a tennis know. racket. It is a tennis racket. No, I thought you said yeah. golden racket. Like, yeah, like that. that's what the the trophy is. The that's like how you play. Trophy. You exclusively you oh, you're right, 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 allergic right. to uh, impure metals, so you have to gotta be gotta be gold. Uh, my my gold. award for winning the the districts was a two beer uh, pint glasses. Oh yeah, so those things cool. actually look pretty sweet. Yeah. So was there beer that. in them? No, Lame. not yet. <laughs> not yet he says but he's gonna go to golden there. with his golden racket hey, and grab some yeah. beer playing tennis with a solid gold racket would be almost impossible it i feel like that thing would be too heavy that would be so heavy and the yeah. ball would just fly off of the racket yeah, <laughs> yeah. just you'd be like you just have to lift it <laughs> but Kill no i did i sands. was in la and uh, san diego i did enjoy going back to uh you know where i used to live for 20 years and see all the uh the changes because this is post-covid first time i've been back uh mm. so there's a lot of changes about you know sadly some businesses closed and some new ones opened um you know just but just to see you know the the locations that i used to to go we drove by our old houses we drove by um, you know, saw a lot of friends that we hadn't seen, you know, since we'd moved two years ago. So yeah, it was a good time. Uh, we got to see family, we stayed with family. Um, and then at the end of the trip, we got to go to Legoland, the, the Mecca of Lego. Right. So that was fun for the kids and, and, uh, and me. And also for Nathan. <laughs> it was mostly for it was Nathan. Mostly for me. No. Fortunately, it was fun for his family as well. <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I got to see, yeah, I got to see Eric, uh, you know, the guest uh, from last week, and he, uh, we I saw each other on Tuesday, but then the episode was released on Wednesday, so we didn't get to talk about it post, post-release, but um, yeah, it was good to talk to him a little more and see him in person, so uh, yeah, good times, good times. What was your Asian-ness level being there and then coming back to Denver? Like, how, how did that how did you feel in your own body about being yeah. Asian? It is funny. I, I, I definitely noticed the difference from California to Colorado. I mean, yeah. the diversity is, is you, you can't, 
you miss that. If you know, it's it's something that I do notice, especially the the areas that I was going to. Uh, we, I mean, we were looking for Asian food, number one. So a lot of the meals <laughs> that we had was good Asian food because that's what we, we don't get a lot of in Colorado. And so you were just looking for like street tacos and you're like, can I get jalapenos yeah, no, on this? I don't think we know. No, we had street tacos the first day we got there and that was it. Um, and some pizza, but yeah, the, the next days we had like, um, gosh, we had, I think we had dumplings one day. We had noodles. We had, uh, um, did we have a dim sum? No, we didn't go to a dim sum. We were thinking about it, but, um, but yeah, we, it was just, you know, that was our goal. We went to uh, like a little Asian food court and had uh, some food there. Um, oh my gosh. That just reminds me yeah. that the only pictures you would send us from your vacation weren't of you like doing things. It was just like, Hey, look, here's a bunch of Asian takeout containers or like, here's oh, yeah. the H Mart that we went to one time. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, like, exactly. here's me and my family having a good time or anything. It was just like, hey, look, here's a, here's Only a Only the important things. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was again, the uh, kind of the eye, you know, opening thing for me is that I'm around there and there's just so many more things that are Asian and it just, yeah. now, I, I mean, I knew it before when I lived there, but now being away from it for two years and then being there again, then you go after back. two years, you, you just, I noticed it. It was hard to not notice it. And just the little signs, like I sent you one that was a funny, you know, pun of, it said, get a jigae with it. And it was next to a, um, you know, a Korean I forgot you said that. and I just thought <laughs> yeah. that was hilarious, you know, and I, I think before in the past I would have walked past it and just chuckled or whatever and then moved on. But now I don't know, for some reason that, that it, uh, it got like an more. immigrant level of pun. Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was fun. I, I, again, I enjoyed, uh, being back and seeing all the, all the, I guess the abundance of Asian things. Yeah, uh, for sure. Do you feel like your kids notice that at all? Or, or is it just like Legoland? I don't feel good. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty much it. They were, they were very, even when we drove past some of our houses and the hospital that they were born in and things like that, they go, there's the hospital you were born in. And they'd look up and go, Oh, cool. And then they'd turn <laughs> back to their, Anyways, book or their iPad or yeah, or whatever. They, they just, it was, <laughs> Oh, cool. It wasn't as nostalgic as it was for us, but, uh, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I mean the food as well. I mean, they, they like certain types of food because we've given it to them a lot here, but yeah, they didn't like crave certain things that were like we did like crave noodles or, or, uh, you know, was there uh, anything that they had out there that they were like, Oh, I need to have this more when we go home. The pizza. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, the pizza. Like, the street like, tacos. Dad, can I have more pepperonis from the pizza, please? Yeah, I know, right? No, that's, that's pretty much it. They did have a lot of, I would say, like chicken nuggets and pizzas. <laughs> that's and Dude, it's not vacation if you're not throwing down chicken nuggets every yeah, day. We had, 100%. Uh, we had mini, mini donuts. There was a lot of mini donuts there now, mm. which which I remember seeing a lot in Portland. And then all of a sudden now I'm seeing them down there. So I don't know if those are just becoming popular everywhere but seems unnecessary yeah you get more variety that way just like mini cupcakes you know you can have three different flavors instead of just one big flavor Uh, (laughs) interesting this goes back to my this goes back to my why i love buffets so much just because the variety (laughs) so come on people back me up people (laughs) what is happening this is a conversation happening in the after party that I'm not privy to. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. One of the things that I 
I really notice is that self-awareness of being in like K-Town or mm. uh, the other Asian spaces is I was not as self-aware. I wasn't like, I knew I didn't stick out and that made me feel more Oh, that's interesting. You were just yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I was just there. I was yeah, just yeah. among uh, the crowd, the groups. I'm sitting there at, a, at an H-Mart walking through it. There's no questions about, you know, why I'm there or something like that for some reason. It was, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. that Whereas felt if you walk good. into a Target, you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, well, you just, you you know, you stick out sometimes. Well, here yeah. at least. Um, but well, yeah, so like, that is, you know. Yeah, it's like too, you like, you feel more comfortable in your own identity and, you know, you just don't even think about it when you're walking around in those, in those spaces. Like yeah. it's hard here in Indianapolis to feel that, but I feel like UKJ, like when I go to like, we just went to a family thing not too long ago and then came back and I was just like, Oh, I'm glad that there's even one other person of color, not even like another <laughs> Asian person. Just yeah. like, Oh great. There are more people. There's just more. You know, yeah, and for sure. so I definitely feel it that way. I think it, it, I do think it's interesting too to think about your kids and then I guess future hypothetical kids for myself going back to or going to places like a K Town, even and having that experience when I never had that experience. And the only one I can think of is I associate with a negative experience of where I went to this Korean convention and was like, I don't like any of this. Mm-hmm. And then that was the impetus to never engage with Asian stuff ever again, essentially until I became 30. And so especially having these conversations thinking about, Oh, like when I go with my kids there, you know, like normalizing that kind of interaction to where my kid would hopefully go, Oh, cool. At like a building. And just not even <laughs> care about it, you know, like it's nostalgic and it means something for you, obviously beyond just being adopted or like our identity, but even just, having that kind of interaction where it's like, Oh, this is something we do on the regular mm-hmm. is like be amongst other Asian people. Like, I yeah. don't know. Some I haven't thought about a lot, but I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome to come hang out with my family when you have a family anytime. Oh, oh <laughs> so, only after they, I have a family. Thanks. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For, for yeah, your Emily kids. doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> Offspring only. <laughs> But no, I mean, so because, you know, all the family that we hang out with on uh, Allison's side, you know, her entire side oh, is, yeah. is Asian. So right, right, it's right. just normal. It's just normal that the the cousins and stuff that we're hanging out with are Asian. And it, there's no, you don't think about it. And I hope I didn't even think, about, think that. about that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even so, think about that. Yeah. I'm like, you do, you do have an Asian partner. I have a white partner. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so that side of the family is going to be white. And then my side of the family is also white. I got, mm-hmm. My sister's Asian. She's Korean. So yeah. I guess there's one person. <laughs> yeah. Great. There you go. <laughs> but well, it, that's I mean, why it's I'm just off- interesting to navigate yeah. that, I think. It is. That's why yeah. I'm offering my family. So <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm offering, take my family, take my family back to Indiana with you. <laughs> that's what I heard. Wild. That's funny. Um, okay. So actually you bringing up your experience uh, at that Asian convention, Patrick, uh, leads me really nicely into one of the things I want to talk about today, which was just a chance for us to talk our opinions. I've not really given much thought about this at all. So for me, it was probably an off the cuff thought, but should parents quote unquote force transracial adoptees to stay in a cultural slash adoptee space if the child doesn't like it or rejects it similar to how you felt? Patrick, where you were like, I went there, didn't like it, and then I, I wasn't there. But do you wish that your parents had kept you in that in those spaces, even if you didn't like it, so that you could be like 20 years on from then, be like, well, I didn't really like it, but I guess I'm grateful for it now. Or 
run the risk of being 20 years on and be like, no, I didn't like it then. And I still don't freaking like it now. So great prompt and something that I've been talking about a lot lately, like this specific thing, um, especially when like an adoptive parent is like, how do I make sure that my child continues to stay in touch with their culture? It's just like, at the end of the day, I, you can't force somebody to stay in it or stay connected to it or engage with it. You can't. Um, (laughs) Very true. Um, There's no forcing someone to do it. Uh, What it is, is you have to provide the opportunity to engage. And then, especially white adoptive parents, you have to yourself be willing and actively engaging in that cultural thing, whether it's cooking, whether it's language, whether it's going out and meeting people and mingling in the community, whatever that looks like, you have to be doing that too. And if the adoptee in your life is like, nah, like, I don't want to do that. Okay. Like that's the thing. Keep leave the opportunity there. So to your point, KJ, I wish that my parents were doing that for two reasons. One. So when I was 30, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I didn't like it then, but I am grateful for it now. I can look back at retrospectively and be like, yes, that I appreciate that action. And two, because my parents would have a better understanding, a better empathy of Korean culture, and then hopefully by extension, Asian culture, Asian American culture, to where all of the stuff that's happening in society right now, maybe we have different conversations about it. Maybe I have a different identity journey because of that. Um, I look back at that convention memory as so foundational, even though I never, I never thought about it that way. But you know, when I look back and I, I unpack my life story, my lived experience, that is a moment that is foundational because it set the tone for how it like reaffirmed, affirmed to my parents that assimilation was right. It was the right mm-hmm. way to go. Colorblindness was the right way to go because I personally showed a disinterest and distaste for Korean culture at that moment in time. And so why would they ever force me to do that? Why would they ever continue to be like, let's engage with this when clearly I didn't like it, but I did like the Power Rangers, which I guess is like a Japanese thing. Like, so like it gave, I don't know, like there's that, but like, I like all these other American things. So like, let's just keep it over here. <laughs> You know what I mean? Americanized things. (laughs) Americanized things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, I don't know. I liked all these other American things like Power Rangers (laughs) and Pokemon and freaking Sailor Moon. I don't know. (laughs) I did like all of those things too. It was hilarious. noodles. Classic American tropes. The bastardized, westernized versions of all of those things. If it's not dubbed, I don't (laughs) care. (laughs) uh, That's a a conversation we should definitely have. Like the, the... Dubs versus subs? Yes. Dubs versus subs, but also like the detriment that dubbing has had on like just, I don't know, the original, the original work right, itself. All right, so, all right. but that, no, but no, I think that's a great prompt because I think it's, again, you can't force. And I saw Nathan mm-hmm. nodding. So I've, I'm sure, uh, especially with your own kids, you probably have a lot of thoughts and, and feelings on this, but I think it is about providing that opportunity because one, it's a, a, a chance for you to learn as well. And two, as long as you have the opportunity is there, like even again, to your point, like if I, you grow up 20, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, like you may still look on that memory and be like, I, you know, I didn't like it then, but I appreciate having the opportunity to connect because it made me less afraid or maybe laid the foundation that, Oh, Asian being Asian isn't bad or something wrong or something to be avoided. Like I always had the opportunity to engage. I just never chose to. And then I did in college because I was like, Oh, there's a Asian frat or an Asian group an ERG or ERG, a student group or something. So, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of 
fraternity. My one of the sayings in my fraternity at, um, back in college was Master actually bro. Oh. No, lead by example. Uh, oh, there you go. And that is something that, like you were saying, is yeah. If if you're a parent or are wanting your kids to do something, I think they learn it from watching you doing it, too. right? So or engaging in it and liking it or something. And you can't just you know make somebody else teach it or uh, you, you know can't. explain. I mean, you can kind of hope that your teachers and and uh, and peers or of your kids are are leading them in the correct direction but it is ultimately your your responsibility so so yeah we we eat we engage in a lot of of culture and that's hopefully you know what the uh the kids see and want to do and yeah i'm not going to force them um yeah i might find creative ways um but uh to you know to convince them to do something but uh, <laughs> yeah, incorporate yeah. the culture so that they they yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. positive like, reinforcement like, i'm not saying <laughs> yeah. you have to but i'm not i'm also not saying that you can't not exactly <laughs> yeah you bring up a great point like yeah it's the modeling that behavior like yeah. the behavior that was modeled for me unfortunately was that you lock your doors when you go anywhere outside of this town that we live in, in Chicago or Indianapolis. Like you make stereotypical jokes, you make homophobic, transphobic jokes, like you and you and you shun and and are you know dismissive and, and hateful towards people that are different. Even though that I was different, that was the mm-hmm. behavior modeled to me not only by my parents but the community and stuff that I was in because it was just predominantly white and it was predominantly conservative. Like that was the ideology. That's the mindset that permeated that entire environment that I was in. So those were the models that I had. Like at the end of the day, I didn't see anybody going and hanging out with other Asian people or Asian people in positions of leadership or any of that. So you don't even see it in the textbooks. You know, I didn't like, like I wasn't watching it on TV. That's for sure. I wasn't thinking about it when I was playing sports. You know, I was just trying to be like Michael Jordan or somebody else. I was never trying to be like, or thinking about, oh, there's an Asian being successful at this. It was more like, I'm just, I don't know. I was doing that to escape being Asian, if anything. Mm-hmm. So having that model, being able to <laughs> being able to teach those things is really important. So I appreciate you naming that. What do you think the line is for especially white parents to what do you think the line like where's the line in the sand of like engaging with your child's culture? And then like going too far (laughs) with that. Um, Sure. For example, a white mom calling herself like Oma because Mm. she adopted Mm. a Korean child or, you know, I don't know, like some like uh, actually similar to like what Eric shared about like the heritage camps in Colorado being like it's a bunch of white people doing Mm -hmm. Korean culture stuff because like you want to expose them to that and you want to do that, but we're not in, we don't all live in LA or San Francisco or New York or Dallas or, you know, so it's like, how do I expose them to those things and have it be authentic to our family story mm. and also not be <laughs> gross and like internet meme tweet right. rage worthy. Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? Like yeah, what's it's that the line? line between appreciation appropriation, which is can be fine to walk, but you brought up a really great example with the language, with specifically with Oma. So yeah. I think um appreciation is like not only teaching what that word means, but under using it in the context of like this is what you would have called your your Korean mother or your birth mother, your first mother. 
Like, mm-hmm. and that's another way to open up the con- the conversation, the dialogue around adoption and being adopted as a white adoptive parent and a way to honor that first family and also honor that language, understand what that means in that context, all of that. Appropriation, which would be when you cross that line, would be a white adoptive parent being like, oh, you should just call me, Oma, call your dad, Appa, and like, we're just going to become a Korean family. Like, well, that's not what we are. <laughs> like, and like, <laughs> let's not, let's not pretend that it, that that's what that is, because that was, was what I would consider appropriation. Because okay, that's, but do you think that, like, what if the parents say to their kid, you can call us Amma and Appa, but we will also never refer to ourselves that way? Mm. Because that's true to the kid. Mm. Okay. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, like if I call my mom Amma, like, she's not going to respond to that. But, like, that's within <laughs> yeah, my yeah, purview yeah, yeah. to say, like, this sure. is my language. And, like, that's where it's my own culture. You that's interesting. I mean? That's yeah. an interesting question. I. I don't know. I can't say. Yeah. I can't say. I, I honestly, I'm not sure. I would, I, I would love to hear from folks who have had this conversation with their white adoptive parents. Um, yeah. This is that's really interesting. I would say personally, I would err on the side of. I wouldn't even say that you can call us that. I feel like even if you even if you leave it to them, like we're not going to refer to ourselves as that. But this is what this means in your language of origin, mm-hmm. and you can. I guess you could like, I don't know. It feels like you're saying you can use it and how you want it, how you want to. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I mean, in that way, it feels appropriate. I, mean, I don't know. I, I I'm not, I, I'm stumbling because like I don't have a good answer in for Zootopia, it. You know, like when the bunnies <laughs> are like, bunnies okay, can call yeah, other yeah. bunnies cute, but when other animals call us cute, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, sorry. Go I ahead. mean, there's some parents that, uh, you know, that, that tell their kids to call them by certain names. Like I know some um, of my friends call their parents by their first names. Sure. Um, which, you know, again, for a lot of people is disrespectful or is just, That's true. you know, feels weird but that again to their family, that is what's normal. And that's what is either, uh, learned or wanted. So then that's, you know, not, uh, crossing a cultural, um, dialogue, but that is still their family. Sure. So in some regard, I would leave it up to the family's choice, I think. And if that's something that they want to do, as long as it's not, you know, offense, offensive, um, which I don't think it is because it just literally just means mom and dad. So, uh, but that's what you think. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think it's just yeah. like how it's, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so, it's just, it doesn't hit right when I think about an adopt, a Korean adoptee calling their white adoptive parent, Oma or Appa, and like them being like, oh, yeah, you should call me that. Like, I don't know. It feels, it feels appropriative. It feels gross. Like you were like, I don't know. There's just some kind of, and I, I don't disagree with you, Nathan. Like I do think it's like kind of up to that family, but I guess mm-hmm. when the cultural context comes into play, it does feel like there's that layer of the difference, but that line of mm-hmm. between appreciation and appropriation, like that you really, if you're going to adopt transracially, you really have to understand and know how to walk it. I guess I'll say that like, know what, how to fall on the side of appreciation as opposed to appropriation. Like you have to understand that and have a good solid foundation to move from that. If you're going to adopt transracially, I'll say that I don't have an answer, I guess. And I think combining our answers, leaving it to, uh, you know, the family to make that decision, I I suppose. But with the cultural context, it's just like, I'm not sure. Okay. So here's, here's an interesting thing. Since both of us have white partners, like, 
if and when we have kids and for both of us hopefully it's a when uh are like are our kids gonna call like would you have your kids call you appa and call emily mom oh man great question would would you (laughs) want I mean, I don't love people referring to themselves in third person generally, even when they're saying like mom and dad. Like, I I think that that's weird. But like, would you want to say like, oh, yeah, like your if Emily is talking to your kid, would you say like, oh, yeah, your appa and I Mm. or you know what I mean? Or like if you're referring to Emily, do you say like your oma and I, even though she might never, you Mm. know what I mean? Like, sure. Because there's then there's three, three parties where or three persons two of them are korean so it, it is their language right you know and like so yeah how do you where do you land there where do you land <laughs> okay so here's here's my my take um i think it's all about giving the kid the opportunity and the the power to choose and to own so if a if a kid wants to call like okay Cause Korean, cause we're, we're Korean and I know right. Korean. Uh, if a kid wants to call me Appa, great. I might refer to myself as Appa because that's how I, as another adoptee mm. want to be referred to. Right. Right. I don't mind Sarah calling me Appa, but I wouldn't want her to do that. Like on the internet. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in like a written type of situation. If my kid wants to call me Appa and Sarah mom or me Appa and her Oma, that's fine. But even in that situation, again, generally don't love when people refer to themselves in third person, but I definitely wouldn't want Sarah to refer to herself in third person as Oma. So that's like, I think it's like, I would want to give them that choice and that power. And I don't want them to, I don't want like I wouldn't want a white partner, my white partner, to like do that publicly in right. a way. Because then I think it even though it is true to our experience, it opens the door to a lot of like, this is appropriative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what For I mean? Sure. Even For though sure. we are actually centering our child's experience right. and centering all those, you know, those kinds of things. Because right. we're an interracial household, you know. Exactly. So I so, uh See, I'm glad I asked you to respond first because I really, I really like your answer. I appreciate what you said about centering our ch- our children first in it because it is their language. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I guess in my mind when I was answering this, I was thinking of our my kid is just fully Korean, but they're obviously they are fully Korean and they would be fully white, I guess, because they're mixed race. That's what they're, that's yeah. what it's going to mm-hmm. be. And at the end of the day, it should be their choice because it is their language. And they have the opportunity to to make with it, to use it how they feel comfortable and feel is right for them. And agreed. Like, I would probably refer to myself as Appa. I might refer to Emily as Oma, I guess, in, like, the household setting. But, yeah. like you said, in public especially, would not probably go down that way. And definitely wouldn't want her to refer, like, to be using that language in... Because out of context being heard in like speaking the language, you know, that could be taken in any which way and then having to explain it and being adopted, you know, like, I feel like that's going to happen anyway. (laughs) Like, it's just like, you're going to have to explain your story. We talked about the scripts with Eric that we all had like growing up. It's like, I feel like that's the best part about the community is like when we meet, we don't have to tell the, have that explanation. But when you meet anybody else who's not adopted, it's like, you got to explain it. (laughs) You know, like there is no choice. You just have to talk about it. And I feel like, 
a language thing. Like, especially, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm just agreeing with you, KJ. So I'll leave so it. What about, so what about a tire? You, you mentioned a tire as well. So what about oh, wearing oh, oh, You mean clothes? I thought he meant the tire, wheel. Not a round I thought he tire. meant the wheel. It's like, what? why are we talking about rubber? I, I thought he meant wheel as well. I was very, very confused. Yikes. Sorry. Garments. Is yes. that better for you? The clothing. Okay, traditional garments and clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, Homebooks. So yeah. uh, do, would you find that offensive if the parents, uh, white parents wore that um, and then take it one step further? further? What if the parent is um, Asian but not Korean? Okay, I have a good, I have a, not maybe not good, but I have a response to the second prompt. Mm-hmm. The first one I don't know. Again, it's, 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 I think the context of like why you're wearing the hunbuck is important in that, mm-hmm. in that, in that prompt specifically. So I guess it would just really depend on the context. Um, for an Asian person who is not Korean that's wearing a hanbok, I've been thinking a lot about this since I was in New York. And I'm actually working with a Chinese American designer right now to uh, make me a custom suit. Um, and it's going to be a mix of Chinese and Korean influence. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, really excited to see that come together. And the reason I bring this up is because I, in New York, I bought a piece from, from her to wear to one of the dinners that I went to. And like, it's more traditionally Chinese. And I bought mm-hmm. it and I put it on and I was wearing it. And I was like, I went up to a Chinese American person that I knew. And I was like, hey, is this appropriative appropriation <laughs> for me to be wearing this? And they said to me that at the end of the day, um, it's not like it's you not appropriation. <laughs> what? At the end of the day, you look Asian, so white people won't know the difference. <laughs> well, no, it's just not. It's again, it, it's all about the context. It's all about yeah. why and what why you're are you doing. Why are you wearing yeah. it? Like, what's the purpose of it? And the reason that it made me think of this and why I've, this has been on my mind so much is because, especially as an adoptee, I'm thinking about what does it mean to what does Asian America look like for me? And what does it mean for me to wear Asian America on myself? And how do I represent that? And I've been thinking about that a lot. And so I've been buying like a lot of Asian American brands recently and like just putting all kinds of different stuff together. Like, uh, and I'm just like, you know what? Like, this is why I want to do this suit because I think there's like, why, why am I boxed in? Like, why am I limited when at the end of the day, Yes, I I am ethnically Korean, and yes, I want to understand that culture better because it is my culture of origin. But at the, like truly, I'm an Asian. I'm more an Asian adoptee. This is thinking back to Annika's talk about like how we specify and how we talk about ourselves and 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 representation, like with labels of like being a transracial adoptee or an intercountry adoptee. Like I'm at more so an Asian American um, in culture than I am Korean currently, for sure, and probably ever will be. And so what does that look like? And is there anything that even models or represents what that looks like? And I think there is. I think there's a lot of people who are who buck those trends, especially like within the queer communities. You know, it's like it's just putting everything together and you like you just it's all about coming together and in combination and, and collaboration. And I just feel like, you know what, I'm going to make this look I'm going to put these things together. And because I because I want to define this for myself. It's mm-hmm. not a redefinition. It's a it's me making this definition finally. 
And I realize, and I, at the end of the day, the, I could be doing this appropriately if I, if I was like make being showy about it, I think, or sure. whatever it might be, or like you said, context exploitative just, in some way. Yeah, exactly. Buying yeah. it but, from white people. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. But like, I don't know. I just, I have a really deep appreciation for, especially just Asian American business owner who yeah. is just out here doing wild, incredible stuff. And it's like, one, I want to support them, but two, it's like helping me as an adoptee specifically define what that means. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I just don't feel like I've felt like I've had permission to do that. And then ever since I came, went to New York and like had this interaction and, and had this conversation, I'm like, you know what? Like, let's do this. And like, let's just make it, let's just see what happens and make it work. And so that's what I think about that. Again, it's all context. And I, right. I think everything could boil down to an answer of its context. But uh, so I don't know if that's a good answer, but that's just what that's what it makes me think of. And that's well, the that way I've been like, operating. There's so many levels of context to think right. about. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that's what's important is like we spent a lot of time doing internal interior work uh, of what does it mean to be adopted? What does it mean to be Asian American? What does it mean to be Korean American? What's the intersection of gender and sexuality in those spaces uh, over abilities or like neuro ability, like those kinds of things. Right. And um, in the midst of that, like, I think it's important that you, I love that you're thinking about like, what does it look like to be Asian American, because as we've talked about uh, a couple times throughout the course of the show, like Asian American, it was born as a political identity, right. but as it's grown and as it is continuing to evolve, I think a lot of us are asking the question, what does it smell like? What does it look like? What does it uh, taste like to be Asian American? Not just how, like, how do I vote? What do I care about? Mm-hmm. Um, and in like a broadly political like more like a sociological level, but actually internally, what does that mean for me? And how do I be loud and proud about that externally? Um, And so I I think it it does make sense because contextually, yeah, some white people aren't going to know. Like they're just going to look at you and they're going to be like, look, it's an Asian wearing like Asian clothing and it's cool. Good for them, you know? Uh, And I think that like we would get in the same trouble as another... (laughs) white person who goes on a mission trip to Africa and they're given clothing by the village that they've helped. And then they wear the, the village clothing back. Right. You know, like that's not going to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, it's got a whole whole thing with that. Right. But like we're in our lane and actually forging a path for a community with whom we are a part of, you know, and I think that that's really important to so the, the point of like parents, especially in a, in a transracial household, like, so white parents or I guess black parents, um, or some other race that's not Korean, uh, wearing humbooks with their kids. I think again, it comes down to like what you're trying to do. And are you going to put pictures in your home mm. of you, like the whole family doing that, even though it is your home, like if you host a lot of parties, then like maybe just like put the picture away or, you know, do that kind of thing. Like, like my parents dressed me up in a humble and I think had like a one-year-old or two-year-old birthday party for me uh, at like the Korea house here in town. Um, but like, there's not a picture of my whole family right. in a humble. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of my whole family in denim on a haystack, but like <laughs> there's not a picture of everyone in a humble. There's just me in a humble. You know, um, uh, it's a super nineties picture. It's great. <laughs> I can already see um, it. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing it. I might actually um, have to see a picture of it. 
Yeah, I'll find and send it. Um, but yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Too. So I think it's like, it's the optics of that that yeah. I think are really important. And like clothing is meant to be worn. And so if you're yeah. trying to teach your kid about that and you like are able to find the Humbulk and, and you do the research and like you put it on, that's great. But then like, don't, don't go wear that out, you know, like all those kinds of things. But like, I think it's like, it's just one of those things. I think even again, for the context of like the camp, um, cause I think that is its own kind of unique case. If you have like mostly white counselors for not for, for lack of trying, but just, it just ends up being like you have mostly white counselors or whatever. It's a, a heritage camp and, uh, <laughs> all the pre, all the buildup is, is as good as you can make it. And you still end up with, with white counselors and they put on humbooks. Again, I think that that's like generally like, okay. If you go into it in the sense of learning and appreciating mm-hmm. and then like, Take the knowledge with you, but don't take the clothes. I guess yeah. it's educational, right. not or even <clears throat> ceremonial. I would think would be kind of appropriate in some regards. So that's I bring right. that up only because my wife did wear a hanbok for our son or all of our kids when we had uh, a doljan cheese, and so they they did. My family bought us a you know matching set so that there was mm-hmm. a you know male female and then baby. And we made our kids, all three kids, wear the same mom book. But no, yeah. no, that's not true. Sorry, we got a pink one for Robin. Um, forgot about that. But uh, um, yeah, no, I, I'm just always curious about that. Uh, like you said, it's context. I wouldn't wear it to, you know, other than those reasons where you would need to be wearing it. And I wouldn't do it for, I wouldn't make my parents dress up in one and, and things like that. Um uh, back to your other comment about your uh, your uh, fashion being, uh, you know, half Chinese and half uh, or a mixture of that and Korean. I think that's really cool. And because then it comes down to fashion, too. And I think. Well, we know you like fusion. Fusion fashion. Yeah. I mean, I think that is like perfectly, perfectly OK. Uh, I actually did have a, a dress shirt a long time ago that had a Mandarin collar on it. Mm. And uh, I always thought that was really cool. And I, I liked it a lot. And maybe it was it was because you know, it, you know, made me feel a little more Asian, even though at a time I probably didn't wear it that often, um, because I didn't want to stick out either. <laughs> and so yeah. sure. it was more for me to wear it at home or wear it, you know, I don't know, it, at, uh, a time that I knew I wouldn't be, you know, um, singled out kind of a thing. You know, at the same time, my parents went to, uh, China on a mission trip when I was in high school and they, they brought back a shirt, like a more traditional kind of Chinese shirt is black, had like gold on it, whatever. And I loved it. And I, it was great. But then I was like, I think my first thought when I got it or one of my early thoughts when I got it was like, oh, great. Now I don't have to pick out a Halloween costume. I can just go as mm. generic Asian guy, you know? Sure. And like, I think that's a moment where it, it fails because it's not specific. I mean, right. generally, like, and I couldn't necessarily have verbalized this at the time, but like generally in high school, I was looking for all things Asian. Didn't matter where it came from, if it came from the continent mm. or if it came from like Asian America, because I was like looking for myself. But what I was looking for really was like the Koreanness of it. And I didn't have the words mm. to express my, the, the specific nature of what I was looking for. And so like the broad stroke of just being like, cool it's a shirt from china and i i can wear this because it's from asia like i was going up too high and it ended up like i didn't i don't feel good about myself wearing that whereas now i might really appreciate a piece like that you know for similar reasons to you patrick but like in high school i didn't have the ability to say no I, i specifically really care about 
things from Korea, even though I knew in my heart that like things that were Korean meant more to me than things that were Chinese. But at that time, I just wanted some type of acknowledgement, any type of thing to connect me to the continent, you know? Um, And I think that that was really important. So that's like a a weird, like kind of in between just personally of like, I'm all for what you're doing, Patrick. And then like high school KJ literally could not have done that. Whereas like current KJ probably would. Yeah. And I think that there's that, I think something I was thinking about Nathan, when you were talking and then KJ, I think you just reaffirmed it is that this difference between like Asian American and you talked about it being very political coming in. It's obviously a very new term. I think the sixties is really when it uh, first came about. Mm -hmm. And like thinking about separating that from like traditional Chinese or traditional Korean, like there's a big difference there. And I think that's where um, like, I think about what could be more appropriate is like going into wearing like traditional Chinese clothing or traditional Korean clothing. You don't know the culture. Like you don't understand that. And like, again, context, whereas the Asian American is like a little bit more, again, that blended, that mixed culture, the third culture or whatever you might want to call it. Um, that's transcended beyond the just, just solely political definition of the term. Yeah. And you also said Halloween KJ, which I is definitely a big, red flag for a lot of, of I feel um clothing wearing especially <laughs> uh, uh cultural clothing wearing is what I'm specifically trying to say so I haven't seen many I haven't seen many I guess in in a while but you still every once in a while see some you know costumes that have, are bad taste I don't know what what do you guys feel have you ever thought about wearing uh or I guess what are your thoughts on other people wearing Asian clothing or other cultural clothing for, for Halloween? No, just no, just don't do it. <clears throat> right. I think that's probably just a, just don't do it. Yeah. I would say. And I it's still fine. feel that way. And you still see it every once in a while, but, um, and I know some people argue about it with like, um, superhero costumes and stuff like that. You know, I know that was a big debate last year where, or in the last few years, people wearing certain Halloween costumes uh, if they were not of that um, origin. So, I mean, oh, okay. I think in, I'm understanding in superhero, like if you're like, if someone dresses like Shang-Chi or uh, yeah, like I think if there's a way to do it where you're like, yeah, I have my 10 rings and I've got the red bomber and I've got, you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. if that's what, if you're doing that and it's like <sighs> very clearly a Shang-Chi like thing, then I, I think that's fine. Like superheroes, I think are fair game, but at the same time, yeah. Like at the same time, if you're like, if you feel like you have to put on, if you don't have anything else and you maybe have just like a red bomber and then you put tape on your eyes, then maybe you're like, I think you might've missed what Chang-Chi is about. You know what I mean? Or like Miss Marvel, if you like don't have like her giant lightning storm thing on her chest, then like, I think you've missed, who the character is you know what i mean like so i think that they're like yeah even even with that you're like just there are so many other ways to identify people than their race and if that's the first thing you're going for you're doing it super wrong like it's mm-hmm. it is an important piece but also like be better candy speaking of halloween yeah oh i, I see i was like <sighs> what <laughs> that's my segue 
Great. What a great conversation right. we just had. To yeah, be honest, yeah, I was, I was off good. the rails at the very beginning. I just yeah, fell right off. I don't know right why off. you decided to start the, con- the, the I show. I have no idea. It was just <laughs> fell off completely. But I appreciate you guys for bringing us back onto the tracks. All right. It's, like you said, well, speaking of candy. Tra- well, I supposed to no, transition right there. I also forgot that I have the thing. So I, I thought you were candy. going to. Yeah, my yeah. bad. All right. We'll be right back with some sort of candy. Do we have a candy? Good transition. Welcome back to John Chi. I don't know what I'm saying. John Chi Show. Welcome back to the Feasty Time. Welcome, welcome back to the Feasty back Boys. To John Chi. He's back a- to the feast. Well, I was trying to say welcome back to the John Chi Show. Wow. We're going we are off the rails. This. I don't know today. which one of these you're going to use. I'll just keep going back and forth. Welcome back He's to the it. John Chi Show food portion Woo! with the Feasty Boys. Time to feast. Time to John Chi. Feast. Tell John Chi. Time to have. That was you heard. Have some candy. Uh, These are made by Mamos, I think. Uh, Imported by Sold Trading, but it says Mamos, I think is the brand. There's lots of different flavors that I saw at the store. I could only grab a few because it's a big bag of candy that I don't want too much of. (laughs) Did you say this was from Friend? So, no. Oh, is it? Look at that. Is this a friend on the side of it? It is from a friend. So I got two flavors. There was a lot of different flavors. I got one good flavor and one questionable flavor. All right, we haven't tried either of these, so let's not jump out and say one of them's good and one of them's questionable. <laughs> good point, good point. I, I assume one of them's good. Yeah, they're both they're, questionable. They're technically both questionable. We'll find out. First one is tomato candy. <laughs> KJ, what does this uh, angle say? Uh, that says tomato. Oh, I was literally going to say that, and you'd be like, did you read that? And I was going to be like, no, yeah. I guessed. I have never uh, heard of a tomato says, candy. Seikon, so Dalcom, and the bottom right says candy. Candy. Oh, no. It's a hard candy. No smell. I don't like KJ's face. I don't even want to put it in my mouth. <laughs> I don't even want to put it in no. my mouth. Oh, it's sweet. It's so bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As KJ rolls away to the trash. I don't know. It doesn't really taste like tomato oh, to me. No, I can't eat that. Ugh. That's too... Oh, it doesn't wait. taste like tomato I to you? Never mind. Oh. It does taste like tomato now. Oh, my God. It's like a, 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 a... I can't even speak anymore. Uh, I had to get so through bad. a few few layers nope. of it, I think. No, I'm interested no. to give this to Emily, though, someone who really likes tomatoes, and see what yeah. she thinks of this. That oh, was yeah. awful. I, I did not like that. I also give it to Sarah. Oh, wow. The, okay, I'm going to say something. <laughs> I'm going to say something here. That might have been worse than the roasted chestnut. <laughs> the soggy, wet, cold roasted chestnut. I don't know. It's different. One is a texture thing. One is a flavor thing. Okay, that's true. That's true. Like, that's true. That's true. So it's not... Not tomatoes to chestnuts. That's true because a, I did have a real a to chestnuts. Comparison. I did have a real roasted chestnut way better than the one yeah, that we had in the bag, sure. and I've had a real tomato way better than what I just <laughs> put. My you mouth. have not had a real tomato that was way better than this. What are you talking about? What? Like an actual tomato is no. so much better than this candy. An actual tomato is like okay. 
This is like this is pretty bad. But well, that's still know, ma- okay. Okay, still makes it way better than what I this is. That's how low you're gonna put that? Wow. wow. Yeah, I'm saying it's not good. I mean, that was <sighs> not it tasted good. like tomato, which I was surprised. I actually it's still in my mouth. I want to eat this coffee one because it's the coffee one. Disgusting. Oh my gosh, this is disgusting it's, to me. It's like I just squirted a whole bottle of ketchup in my mouth. And it's coated no, in the no, back no, of my wasn't throat. Even Not like even ketchup. ketchup. That's, what no, like. no. That's what now tastes ketchup's like. Ketchup's got more vinegar and stuff. This was yeah, literally yeah, yeah. the taste of tomato. It's like you but opened a can of tomato. Like tomato and opened a can of diced and hard. <laughs> See, this, I I put that in my mouth and now I'm confrontational. I'm mad. <laughs> no. Oh, you're yeah, a I'm tomato. I'm definitely candy made you mad. Whoa. If you like to talk to tomatoes, oh, <laughs> this one way better. Yeah, it tastes like coffee. I don't know how you can taste anything, tomato mouth. You know, as a as a coffee candy, though, not great. It's not very strong. No. The, okay. All right. Here's Ooh, the I tomato thing. Controversial. Tasted like I felt like it was like you eat this, like you're eating a, a whole tomato raw. You bite into it, you get like the skin and the first juices, but like that's kind of it. Like the flavor just stops. Like it reminds me of literally like a can of diced tomatoes. Like, it's just got a very specific, like, it's pure tomato, but it's, like, it's not good. Uh, maybe if you're into, like, Bloody Marys or, like, V8 tomato I love juice. Bloody I like Bloody Marys, though. Yeah. That's why I'm saying that uh, there yeah. was something even, different about this candy because I yeah. like a real tomato. I do. I like I don't. other tomato-based things. I don't things. like a raw tomato. I don't so. like tomatoes from fast food restaurants because I got sick one time when I ate a sandwich with a fast or with a tomato mm. on it. And Interesting. I, I actually would... For a long time, wouldn't even eat a tomato from any restaurant. Like mm. I had to see it literally be grown out of the ground, <laughs> like literally be picked and handed wow. to me. Um, okay, so yeah, this the coffee thing. Generally, I think of this as if you had frozen a fast food iced coffee mm. after yeah. you had like drunk most of it, but then you let the ice melt down some, so it's still kind of like it's a very diluted. It's diluted. I was gonna say yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. not, down. but it's yeah. got that like also that level of like creamer in it. That's yeah. like just got like a the creamers will not be tasting. very specifically like Chick Fil A or Sonic iced coffee. Like yeah, that's just not. Does uh, everywhere have iced coffee now? A lot Pretty of places. Have and iced do they coffee, just yeah. brew regular coffee, pour it into a cup of ice, and then pour milk into it? Yeah, I, I think so. Come it's on, like, folks. And it's always like as as light as this piece of candy was. It's always like that light. <laughs> it's yeah. not good. So I agree. So just for reference, the tomato candy has only five ingredients: sugar, corn syrup, tomato powder, citric acid, and tomato flavor. Surprise! It were all tomato. That's it. All five no, ingredients. It's, are but that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty minimal tomato, for tomato candy. Cane. Doesn't tomato have a corn, lot of additives and, and things like that, tomato. but that's probably why it tasted like tomato is because it really had tomato powder in it. So there you go. And the coffee one is the same. It's just got coffee, caramel color, and syrup and <laughs> coffee scent, which is weird. How do you? <laughs> how is coffee scent an ingredient? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can finish this one either, man. This I can finish good. this one. This one's way better. This one's fine. I'm about to eat dinner after this. So. We've had, okay, g- way, way back a long time ago, our episode with Lee Quates, uh, we had Kopigo. Yeah, that I stuff was that. bomb. Oh, yeah. This yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. Not, not good. Not the bomb. Yeah. Not good at all. I've had more like that the, one. More like the bow. Just <laughs> no M or B. <laughs> <Babe>. <laughs> 
Boo. Everywhere. Wow. That was like a, a Nathan that was, level. That was a Nathan joke. <laughs> that was a Nathan level joke, but like had Patrick level construction. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Is that good or bad? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just makes sense. I don't know who should be offended, <laughs> you or me. <laughs> I'm going to take it as a compliment. I think, I think just Nathan. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like, Patrick, you've got a specific way of joke construction that is like a... <laughs> It's just like, like there's, I don't know, there's like a, a t- particular format, how you construct jokes. I have a particular format, formatting yeah. of jokes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so go ahead, rate. I can already know your ratings. Oh my God. Go ahead, ra- I forgot rate we have both. to rate this. Yeah, uh, rate both of them, uh, KJ. Go ahead. Uh, okay, coffee, I'm going to give a two. And the tomato, I'm giving a one. <laughs> wow. Uh, I think... Like the coffee, I, I expected it to be a lot better because it's hard to mess it up. And it really, even as a coffee candy, like really went below expectation. So definitely a two. And the tomato, I don't know what I expected, but it's not getting above one. <laughs> that one feels a little generous, but it's not getting one above one. <laughs> That's funny you say that. Okay, I'm giving the coffee a 2.5 for all the same reasons that you just listed. The 0. 0.5 is because it's it just a nicer person up. than I am. Yeah. But yeah. just because it was it came after the yeah. tomato. So <laughs> it gets extra points for just being the follow-up for snack being to a the chaser. tomato. Yes. Um, the tomato one, I'm giving it a 0. 0.5. I'm going lower than one. Because I'm wow. not going to be as generous. That thing was not good, and that yeah. still rates it better than the chestnut. But <laughs> I guess I mean one, you could go zero, right? Or are we just saying one to five? You could give a zero. You could like, give it a zero. I'm gonna give it a point five. I don't think we've ever done that for existing. No, true. For okay. just existing, I will give it a point five for um, for being that's, alive. That's Maybe we can only give things like a near zero rating. Near we can zero. actually give. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, somebody yeah. might like it. Like you said, give it to somebody who likes That's tomatoes. That's actually true. I will, am- well. I will amend with like, uh, yeah. with other people ratings. Sure. Not what? my rating, mm-hmm. yeah. but just my rating, amend the episode maybe? I don't know what I'm talking about. To your I don't know case. what I'm talking about. Yeah, addendum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, I mean, again, it was, it was horrible because you don't like the taste of it to you. But again, this is, <laughs> these are our ratings, right? Somebody else might give it a higher rating. I don't know where I'm going with that. Yeah, but this is just, uh, just an opinion. You're giving it a one, too? I'm also giving it a one. Yeah. You liked it? No, I didn't. I didn't did like he? it. A I thought lot. he did. I didn't like it a lot to the point where I'm going to eat more of them. I think so he was just I'm like, "Wow, this tastes one. like a tomato." But it does taste like a tomato. I just don't think there should be a tomato candy. I, I think so. On concept, <laughs> that's a strong statement. On, I don't think there wow. should be a tomato candy. Yeah, I am saying on concept. I'm saying on execution, <laughs> and I'm saying in my opinion of the flavor, I don't like it. It wasn't like. You know, I'm not giving it zero and I'm not giving it negative, but I'm not giving it a high enough rating that I'm going to take eat more I'm of them. I'm not giving it a negative. Yes. <laughs> coffee one, like you said, 2.5. I, I agree. Right down the middle. Uh, it's not, it's watered down. It's not as good as other coffee candies that I've had. But, uh, you know, if I, this was the last thing I had and I needed a nice <laughs> coffee candy to pick me up, I would eat it. Okay. But do you even think it would pick you up? It's There's actual no caffeine coffee. in here. No, yeah, I know. But like, how much coffee are we talking here? It's probably got less caffeine than a soda. Coffee That's my powder. guess. I can't I believe there's probably. any caffeine in there. It actually doesn't list if it has any caffeine in it. So okay. you know. I need one thing cleared up before we get out of here, too. You said that you don't think that there should be a tomato candy. Is that <laughs> just for this brand or in general? Just like in no, the world. 
No candy like, should ever have a tomato. There's not part. a god yeah. because tomato candy exists. Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some things that I don't think should be made into candy, and I think tomato might be All one right. of them. Yeah, you wow. heard it here first, folks. But I mean, I can't think of one. I guess way I've liked tomatoes as a sweet hard candy. I mean, I can think of like I've had corn. How candy. many other times have you had a <laughs> tomato flavored sweet hard candy? That's what I'm saying. None. That's why I don't think it oh. should exist. Okay, oh you were like, gosh. you know, I've had a lot of hard candies that were tomato flavored, and I can't. No, think. I've had a lot of hard candies. <laughs> That's why I wanted to try it. This is my favorite man. snack portion <laughs> that we've ever done. Hey, boys, this like this is like hot um, takes on on candy making. That I. That, <laughs> This has been. I'm. I'm hungry now. I'm if sorry you, if I offended anybody who likes uh, hard candies and tomato flavored. If you were offended by Nathan's hard candy tomato hot takes on this episode, reach out to right us directly. Now. Call in right now. Leave us a message. Tell us your thoughts on hard candies that are tomato based. 972-677-8867. If you'd rather leave us a written message, you can send us an email to johnchishow at gmail.com. If you don't do email, but you do social media, you can find us at John Show. Send us a DM. Leave us a comment that's publicly visible uh, with your tomato hot takes. Want to hear them, want to <laughs> see them, want to respond to them. Um, if you want to support our show, because you really, really enjoyed this conversation about tomato hard candies, you can do so at our website, jachishow.com slash support. Uh, if you just browse around on the website, you can find our store. Uh, you can find all our episodes, a whole bunch of stuff there, and other ways to support us as well. And if you are feeling up to it because you really liked our tomato-based candy conversation and you want to leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast player you're currently listening to this on, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, if you want to have individual conversations about tomato-based candies, you can find me at Patrick in the World wherever I want to be found on the internet. I'm at KJ Rilke wherever I want to be found on the internet. Oh, that's weird. You stole my thing. <laughs> stole right out from <laughs> under you. And to be fair, I kept the tomato candy in my mouth the longest because I was trying Ugh. to give it a chance. <laughs> it's not even worth it. Uh, but you can find me at Nnoak on Instagram or Nathan Nowak on Facebook. And um, yeah, that's that's been uh, been a good time. It's yeah. been a great um, time up until time, about Rick. six minutes into this part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I hope to find more fun candies like that for you then. <laughs> Before we go, I do want to say thank you to uh, two of our friends, listeners, um, who have sent us notes. Uh, one person actually just mailed a letter to Nathan, uh, so that was cool. Uh, and then another person left us, there's like a contact form on our website, and they wrote in and said like, hey, thanks for the podcast, basically. So uh, thanks. That Stuff like messages like that really help us. Um, a, know that literally anyone is listening, but B, it's just like, <laughs> it's encouraging. Um, and yeah. it's encouraging to, to do this. Um, and to, and to get feedback that what we do, uh, makes someone feel a little less alone or help, helps build a community. So thank you really for writing in and for, for leaving messages and all that kind of stuff. It means a lot to us. It sure. really, really does. And until next time in our next tomato based conversation. Oh my gosh. Hopefully Johnchi. never. Johnchi. Johnchi. Johnchi.